Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Hey, welcome again to Vintage Church. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church. And uh, I hate that we're not meeting in person, but we're being safe. And so I'm excited today to continue our series called Send. Last week, we were visited and uh, greeted with an incredible message from our friend Greg Wilton. He works with Send Relief, and he's the National Director for International and Refugee Care. And he talked to us about meeting needs. And there were two statements that Greg mentioned last week that I want to bring up today to really talk about what we're going to be uh, looking at in God's Word, planting churches. Here are the two things that Greg said that stuck with me. Number one, it's always about the gospel. It's always about the gospel. And number two, the mission moves forward. Now here's what I want you to think. When you think about your life, do those two statements characterize your life? That it's always about the gospel and that the mission is always moving forward. Greg inspired us to meet needs, but today here's what we're talking about. Like I said, planting churches. And I want to start by sharing this. What if I told you that planting churches is your responsibility? For some of you, that might be crazy because you're thinking, no, 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 that's, uh, that's up to pastors, that's up to what we would call church planters, that's up to the SEND network or other denominational bodies. But what I want us to look at today is the reality that church planting is not just your responsibility, it's our responsibility. In fact, it is the church's responsibility. So we're going to look at a passage today that many of you might be familiar with. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it's known as the Great Commission. One of those passages that Jesus shares with his disciples right before he leaves earth. And if you're taking notes, here's kind of our big idea that I want us to think about today. Churches can be planted only when we obey Jesus' command to make disciples. Churches can be planted only when we obey Jesus' command to make disciples. So let's look at Matthew 28 together, verses 18 through 20. Here's what it says. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, before we dig into these few verses, there's a couple definitions that I want to give you because it's important that we understand exactly what we're talking about when, number one, we talk about the church, and number two, when we talk about church planting. The church definition is going to be a little wordy, but we've tried to include a lot in this definition. So who is the church? Just in that question alone, hopefully you notice something. The church is not a what, it is a who, because the church is not a building, it is 
people. The church is, number one, the people of God. Number two, who have been saved through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Number three, and have been incorporated into his body through baptism with the Holy Spirit. And number four, manifested locally in local churches throughout the earth. So we've got this definition of a church. It's the people of God, ultimately who have been saved by Jesus. The church is, in one sense, global, universal. Anyone that has been saved by Jesus is a part of the church. But that universal church finds local expressions. Things like vintage church or churches in other cities or other regions. So that's the church. What is church planting? Simply, it's the process of establishing a new local Christian church. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. So what can we learn from verses 18 through 20 of Matthew 28 about planting churches? Number one is this. We plant churches under the authority of Jesus. We plant churches under the authority of Jesus. Look at verse 18. Jesus says first, it's important that you see that. This is the first thing that he tells his disciples in the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, there's some important things here. He's not saying some authority, only authority on these issues. He's saying all authority. And that authority includes authority over the church. Now, part of the reason he has this authority, right, is because at this point in his life, in his earthly life, he is the resurrected king. And so his resurrection assures us and proves for us who Jesus is, that he is in fact the King of kings and Lord of lords. But at the same time, I want you to see what he says at the end of verse 18. He says that it has been given to me. Meaning the one who has given him this authority is God the Father. Jesus exercises absolutely, absolute authority over all things including his church. So here's the next logical question for us. What does Jesus' authority mean for us? I just want you to understand this. Number one, we've talked about meeting needs already last week, but we meet needs not under our authority, but under Jesus' authority. Next week, we're going to talk about sharing hope. I want you to see that we share hope not under our authority, but under Jesus' authority. And what we're talking about today, planting churches, we plant churches not under our authority, but under Jesus' authority. Now that's, that's so important, right? I shared this a few weeks ago. Vintage church is not Dustin's. If you lead a V group, your V group is not yours. Ultimately, we are all, including the leadership of Vintage Church, under the authority of Jesus. All of us. Now, here's what I want you to think about, because for some of us, what we might get concerned about or fearful about is, man, being under the authority of Jesus sounds like a heavy weight. It sounds like something that is actually more concerning. But I actually want you to see how being under the authority of Jesus is freeing. 
And that being under the authority of Jesus should give us confidence to do what God has called us to do. Think about being at work and you're not in charge. And so your boss comes to you and your boss gives you authority to go and tell your other co-workers what they should be doing. Now, you go to those other co-workers not in fear, but in confidence. Why? Because you're approaching them not under your authority, because if they saw that, they would be like, listen, you're just like me. You, you're not a boss. You're just a worker here. But when you approach them and they know that you have come in the authority and under the authority of your boss and ultimately their boss, it changes how you approach your co-workers, because you come in confidence knowing that it's your boss's authority that you approach them in. And in the same way, as we think about planting churches, starting new churches, seeing new people come to faith in Jesus in cities, in regions, in countries, and are ultimately our world changed, we have to understand that we are planting churches not under our authority but under the authority of Jesus. So my challenge for you is this, go in the authority of Jesus. Have the confidence to go. Listen, this gets to sharing your faith. This gets to meeting needs. Go in that authority because you're not going in and of your own authority. You're going in the authority of Jesus. But if we're to plant churches, then how do we do it? So we plant under the authority of Jesus. Number two, we plant churches through our obedience. Now this is the, the core of the Great Commission. Verse 19 through the beginning of verse 20. Jesus says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, this is the Great Commission. And, and most people see this as what we would call the mission, the ultimate mission of the church. And it's ultimately to do what? To make disciples. Listen to what Tim Keller says about why he, why Redeemer Church plants churches. He says, we plant churches because we want to be true to the Great Commission. Now, here's, I want you to see how this is connected. Because ultimately, what has Jesus commanded us to do? The, the imperative, the command in these two verses is to make disciples. Make disciples. That's what Jesus is commanding but you have to understand what a disciple is right when we think of a disciple for some of us especially if we've been in the church for quite a while that word has lost its strength it's lost its power one commentator describes a disciple like this disciples are those who hear understand and obey jesus teaching in the ancient world a disciple was one who decided to stop the, the way that they had been living and choose to then follow the person they wanted to be like. So in the gospel accounts, when we see the 12 disciples who become the 12 apostles, that is exactly what they do. 
Peter, he puts down his nets, he stops being a fisherman to be a disciple of Jesus. We do this in our world today as well. I mean, people make fun of me, right? Because one of the, one of the leaders that I really like to follow, his name is Michael Hyatt, and I joke that I've drank the Michael Hyatt Kool-Aid because I use all of his products, I've read many of his books, Right, And the reason is I want to, in some instances, be like Michael Hyatt as a leader. Disciples look to the person that they're going to follow and not just say, I want to be like them in one aspect of their life, but I want to be completely like them. So to be a disciple of Jesus is to want to be like Jesus. To make disciples is to tell people about Jesus So Jesus would change them, and they would then begin to live their lives for and like and after Jesus. Now, how does that get to planting churches? Because that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to tell people about Jesus and then disciple them or help them walk alongside to become like Jesus. And guess what happens? That's a church. That's what we're trying to do at Vintage Church, right, is reach people and make disciples, Live the gospel, serve the city, be the church. Gospel proclamation, gospel transformation, gospel multiplication. That's what we do. So that's what it means to be a disciple. But listen, you have to put down your metaphorical net and choose to follow Jesus. And the way the Bible describes that is the first steps in becoming a disciple is repentance, faith, and baptism. Repenting. Because the way that you have been living is not the way you should be living, right? The reason we follow Jesus is because ultimately we understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and what he said, the life. And so we repent, we walk away from our sins, and in faith we look to Jesus and say, Jesus, we want to follow you. We know you went to the cross, died for our sins, resurrected from the grave, defeating sin, death, and hell. We're believing in you. And then Jesus even brings this up, and we're going to talk about it. We're baptized. And that is that public moment where we tell not only God, but everyone present that we are now choosing to follow Jesus. That's what it means to become a disciple of Jesus. So, what does it mean to make disciples? Now, this is not exhaustive by any stretch of the means, but there are three things that Jesus tells his disciples and us to do. Number one, go. Right? You can't make disciples if you never go anywhere. So for some of us, that means as followers of Jesus, we're going back to our homes to make disciples of our children, or we're going back to our neighborhoods to make disciples of our neighbors, or we're going to our workplaces to make disciples of our co-workers. For some of us, it does mean we're moving, right? If you live in New Orleans and God's calling you to another city to make disciples, that might mean you're moving or you're moving across the world to make disciples. Jesus did say that to make disciples of all nations. So we go. The point is this. It's not necessarily where you go. The point is wherever you do go, be intentional. That your ultimate mission is in life is to make disciples. If you follow Jesus, your calling in life is to make disciples. So he tells us to go. Then he says, number two, to baptize. 
Now, what he's getting at when he says baptize, again, I just brought this up about our response to following Jesus, his baptism. That is, at first, making a disciple. Because if someone gets baptized, what they are saying in their baptism is, I choose to follow Jesus. Now, at Vintage Church, we have a, a, an understanding about baptism, and I want to share this with you. It's a little wordy, but it's thorough. This is how we understand baptism. Christian baptism is a symbolic practice of the church in which believers in Jesus are immersed in water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's exactly what Jesus tells us to do in Matthew 28. This initial act of obedience serves as the believer's public profession of faith in Jesus and it's an outward symbol of the believer's forgiveness of sin and new life in Jesus Christ. The act of baptism should closely follow faith and repentance. So baptism is only for those who have repented of their sins and placed their faith in Jesus. We immerse because the word baptize literally means to immerse. And part of that is in the symbolism of the language. Paul talks about this in Romans 6, that you are buried with Jesus in death and then come out of the water, raised to walk in newness of life. And again, it's a public profession of your faith. Here's a way to think about baptism that maybe some of you haven't thought about before. Baptism is like a new naturalized citizen taking their oath of allegiance to the United States and the Constitution. If you know this, if you come into the United States, or for that matter, if we as natural born citizens of the United States want to become a citizen somewhere else, you have to take a test. You have to know history about the United States. You have to know some things about our government and our ways of this country. But then when you pass all of those tests, you literally take an oath swearing allegiance to the country and the Constitution. In the same way, that's what baptism is doing. When you are baptized, you are swearing an oath to follow and obey Jesus. Baptism is a huge deal. And listen, if you are a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized before, that is your next step of obedience. Jesus wants you to be baptized. And if in this moment you're trusting in Jesus to save you, listen, your next step is to get baptized. And I'll give you an opportunity to respond in just a moment through that. Now here's Let's get back to this idea of making disciples connected to, being, uh, to baptizing. Here's what I want you to understand. Baptism means someone has heard the gospel. If they've been baptized, they've heard the message of Jesus. And what that means is somebody has told them about Jesus. Someone, whether it was on television or whether it was in a church service or whether it was in a backyard or a home or a workplace, has told that person about the life transformation that Jesus brings. And if someone's getting baptized, then that means baptism means someone has trusted the gospel. Now, one of my favorite things about baptism, I think, is 
seeing people in our church baptize the people that they've brought to Jesus. It's actually been quite a while since I've actually gotten to baptize somebody. But I actually, in one sense, celebrate that because what that means is the people that are a part of Vintage Church, you watching this sermon right now, because you have shared your faith, you have told someone about Jesus, you get to be a part of their baptism. And what that celebrates is the fact that you, as a follower of Jesus, are making disciples. What that celebrates is that Vintage Church, we are making disciples. So he talks about going, he talks about baptizing. Lastly, he says teach. If you're going to make disciples, you have to go, you have to baptize, and you have to teach. If you're going to follow Jesus, then it means you must know, understand, and obey his way. And that means... Someone has to teach you. You have to learn what it means to know, follow, and love Jesus. Now, now here's the thing. I think for many of us, this is what we hear. We hear Jesus telling the disciples to teach, and immediately we think, hey, we pay people to do that. that Pastor Dustin, we pay you to do something, right? Or you went to Bible college. You went to Bible, you went to seminary. You know something about the Bible. I don't know nearly as much as you do. Now, I want you to think about the season of life that we are in right now, right? If you're a parent, there is a very good chance that you are teaching math to your child, that you are teaching reading to your child. Yesterday with Gabe, I was helping him, and they were learning how to tell time on like a real clock, which I found very interesting because how many of us actually use a real clock anymore? But that's beside the point. And I was trying to teach him, like, listen, the short hand on a clock is the hour hand. The long hand is the minute hand. And the numbers around the clock mean the hours. Oh, but by the way, the little numbers mean the minutes, right? All of that. I'm not educated to teach math or telling time. But I have had to do it as a parent with kids at home learning online. Now here's the thing. I'm not educated to teach math, but I know something about teaching math because I use math from time to time. I'm no good at it, but I use it from time to time, and I learned it in school as well. In the same way, you don't have to know all of the answers to following Jesus to be able to teach someone about following Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, and you've been a follower of Jesus for just a few years, you probably have enough information that you can begin to walk alongside that person that they would come to know Jesus better. Now listen, Vintage Church, we want to be about that, and we want to do more to help you with that. In the coming months, we're going to be rolling out a new believer discipleship process where mature followers of Jesus walk alongside new believers. And what we're going to try to do is equip you with simple resources to help you do that in other people's lives. So if we're to go in the authority of Jesus... Here's what I want you to understand. We have to also go in obedience to Jesus. 
Obeying Jesus is not just about not doing all of the wrong things, but it's also about doing all of the right things. And one of the things that Jesus tells us to do is go and make disciples. We go, we baptize, and we teach. And as a follower of Jesus, you can do all of those things. Last thing, and probably the most encouraging thing Jesus could tell his disciples and tell us. We plant churches with the presence of Jesus. Look at verse 20, the end of verse 20. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the very last word in the gospel of Matthew that Jesus tells his disciples. And here's what I want you to get. The, the, the presence of Jesus, when you think you can't meet that need, when you think you can't share that hope, or when you think even that you can't plant that church, do not forget that you are not alone. That in doing all of the things that God has called you to, the things that might scare you to death, or the things that you might think you're ill-equipped to do, Jesus says, do not forget my presence is with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. One of the things that my wife Rachel and I often remind each other of is that we always have one another's backs. And what I mean by that is we have so many friends. We have such a Vintage Church is an incredible community. I not only love this church, I love the men and women that I get to serve alongside of. But what I remind my wife all the time is if everybody else that we know forsakes us and gives up on us, we're never alone. Because Rachel and I always have one another. We're never going to leave each other. Now, that comforts Rachel and I, right? In the same way, Jesus, at the end of verse 20, I am with you always to the end of the age. It should comfort you to know that Jesus is always near. Especially as you are living on mission for Jesus. So his presence comforts us, but I also think part of the reason Jesus is saying this is this is a tall task for these disciples. It's a tall task for us to make disciples, to go and to baptize and to teach. So part of Jesus' presence is not only comforting us, it is empowering us to do the work. Jesus' presence is the reason he can say, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. His presence is empowering. But listen, do not forget this. It's not because of your obedience that churches are going to be planted. It's because of Jesus and his presence. Our founding pastor, Rob Wilton, always said, and I believe still says, this, you can't, but Jesus did. And because Jesus did, you can. Now that he often uses to refer to salvation. That you can't save yourself, but Jesus did. And because Jesus did, you can be saved and you can follow after Jesus. But I want you to think about the mission. We can't do it in our own power. But Jesus came and did it for us. And now, because his presence is still with us, we can still live 
on mission. We can still plant churches. We can still meet need. We can still share hope. If the presence of Jesus is with us, we go in the power of Jesus. We go under the authority of Jesus, we go in obedience to Jesus, and we go in the presence of Jesus. One of the things that we say often about Vintage Church is Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. And what that means, that we are a multi-church, multi-city movement is that there are going to be more vintage churches planted and there are going to be more vintage churches planted in other cities. We believe that what God has done here, what God has done in Pittsburgh, God is going to do in other places. That's why even for us here in New Orleans, Vintage Church, we want to get back to Orleans Parish and plan on doing it in less than five years. That's why now, as part of the movement, we're praying about, God, where do you want Vintage Church to go next, outside of Pittsburgh, outside of New Orleans? But what I want to remind you is the success of going to other places is not going to be just based on gifted individuals who lead those churches. It's going to be based, yes, on under Jesus' authority, with Jesus' presence, but with our obedience of going and making disciples, of living the gospel, serving the city, being the church. We have to go do it. What it means is that we plant churches in cities to reach people, and we are the ones, we are the church that's going to do that. And so as we close, I want you to think about these questions. How will you personally plant churches through Vintage Church? In particular, I want you to think about this. How will you go? Where is God sending you? Maybe it is just back to your home, to your neighborhood, to your workplace. Maybe it's to another city. How will you baptize? Right now, who are you sharing Jesus with? Just a few weeks ago, we prayed for that one that you shared. Who are you sharing with? Who are you then inviting to Jesus that we get to baptize, that you get to baptize? Who are you teaching? Who have you led to the Lord that you then want to walk alongside and say, listen, Follow me as I follow Jesus because this is what it means. This is what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. That's the mission. It's always about the gospel and the mission moves forward. And we, Vintage Church, are a part of that mission. Let's plant churches. Father, we love you, and we thank you, God, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, that because of him, we are disciples of him that follow you, and now we are sent out on mission, God, with your gospel message to make disciples under the authority of your Son, Jesus, 
under the presence and in the presence of your Son, Jesus. God, help us obey you. And so I pray now, God, in this moment that you would work in our hearts, work in our lives, and begin to use us. We love you and we thank you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.